Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday afternoon. And I want to do the Parsha. And I didn't have anybody. I wouldn't have anybody's week for the Parsha and the Haftar. But as soon as my friend, this podcast friend, Abe Gluck, heard about this, he stepped forward. And is sponsoring this. It's a very classy act. I'm very grateful. And uh, in return, I want to do a classy vort. You'll see what I mean. Um, in, uh, in his chus. Today, of course, we got Parsha's Kisete. And everybody knows... You're beginning got your Ben Sohar business and all the rest of it. And it told me you Tohar. And I'm sure many people are familiar with the famous story of David and Melech, where uh, Avshalom is winning and David runs away and he runs and he's all depressed. Because remember, the whole country backed Avshalom and he runs into Hushayark, his friend, and he basically says, I'm dumbing this down. Basically, he says, What did I do wrong? You know, and that this should happen to me. And Chushayarki basically says, Why did you do the Yafas Torah? Don't you know, as the Pesach says, excuse me, if you have a Yafas Torah, you'll end up with a Ben Sower or Because they're back to back in this week's Parsha. The first paragraph is Yafas Torah, as we all know in Kisei The second one is about the two wives, the Ahuba and the Snua, and the, the son you like, the son you don't like, which is, uh, of course, what happened with Avshalom. And the third one is the Ben Sower which, by the way, tells you something very interesting, and that is that there are two models of Ben Sorah out there. There's the halachic technical Talmudic one, which is, you know, seems to be, at least as far as I can tell, uh, you know, drawn with an exclusionary purpose. Because when are you going to have somebody who's like 11 and a half years old and he drinks exactly this much wine and his voice is funny? You know, the Gemara said never was a Ben Sorah the other guy says there was, I sat on his grave, which I understand to mean that, I don't think it means that, you know, he sat on the grave of a guy who was 11 and a half years old and, you know, drank exactly this much water, uh, wine, and and was molested, you know, and, and did all the exact things that are in Sermar, but rather, who's Rabbi Huda or somebody who's saying, no, Ben Sermar means a juvenile delinquent, you know, in other words, without having to be in such a narrow definition. And there were such people and. They ended up no darn good, and they ended up being killed. Uh, that's what I think. Anyway, whatever the case is, Avshalom was not a classic mentor of He's a rebellious son that he tried to take the king away from the father. It's not suggested anywhere. It doesn't make any sense to say, Oh, Kushiaki says to David, Didn't you darsh psukim, smukim? That when you do gifas toar, you end up with a ben He didn't mean, you know, the ben of the Talmudic, Halachic definitions, he met a rebellious son. Now, for those who have no idea I'm talking about, the Gemara says that King David fathered a child by uh, a foreign princess, that would be the daughter of the king of the Golan Heights, uh, Macho, I think was the father's name or something like that, um, from a Golani or Machosi or whatever it was. And the first child from was uh, the first baby was uh, Tamar. The one who was raped by Amnon, and the second one was Avshalom. Okay? 
So, Tavshalom, uh, therefore, it's not, he is a child of Yifas Torah, but he wasn't from the Bir Hashanah. That's the way the Mepharshim go at it. I think you all know this, I assume. Now, um, it's very famous. Now, here's the thing. Um, so, it's, it's, it's made me think of last week's Parsha. Because you have Shalom as the classic rebel Ben Surah <laughs> But remember, the whole Jewish people were willing to back him. Now, in last week's Parsha, uh, there's a very interesting note of Yehuda, uh based around the famous question, which is uh, that there's a Gemara we all know about Agrippus Amalek, that the Jewish people were machnif him. They said, Achinuata, even though he's a descendant of Herod. And Tosis there in uh, in Soto ends up, skipping all the details, Tosis ends up saying that when it comes to a king, the point of a king, you need a higher standard and both the mother and the father should be Jewish. Okay? Both the mother and father should be Jewish. In other words, born Jews. Uh, what's the lotion over here? Wait a second. Pull out my rusty, trusty Soto. I'm reading from Tosis. is an extra Right? So you need a, a Jewish mother and Jewish father. So in the question that led to, in Jewish history, especially in the early modern period, in the 16, 1700s, was how to explain the fact that uh, Rechavah, who was the son of Shlomo, became the king, considering that um, Rechavah's mother, by famous tradition, is Namahamonis. So Pashav Shad is, she was a gear. And uh, therefore, he's not Mimutsa Yisrael, like Tosa says. He doesn't have a Jewish mother, Jewish father, meaning born Jewish and born Jewish. Only Shlomo was, but him, the mother not. How could he become a Jew, a king? It's a well-known Achronisha type thing. Uh, the Kesef Mishnah, famously in the Rambam, says that uh, you don't need the mother. He doesn't agree. He says, you know, uh, the father is enough. Which would explain that. He says that explains how Rechav became king. But it's a well-known, you know, halachic thing they used to kick around. Uh, there's a long, um, how should I put it, a Knesset Gadol on this, and so on and so forth. So that's the question. It's a dialectical situation. On the one hand, the Tosa says there has to be the mother and the father born Jewish. And the other hand, it seems that Nama Amonis the mother of Chavam, who was the son of Shlomo, took up after him, uh, was only half, to, only the father was Jewish, the mother was a Gioris, and that's shown count. That seems to be the question. Um, so to answer that, you have to come up with some kind of dialectical answer. And in the case of the Behuda, this is the very first note of Behuda in the Chosha Mishra, by the way. Okay? And uh, he's asked over there, you know, by a guy, what about the I'll skip all the words and just because he, you know, a guy asked him, What about Rechavim? And Nodabi said, Where have you been sleeping? You know, that's a, you're not the first one to ask that kasha, you know. And then Lahotzi Cholaki Efsher, I think it was a student of his, so he says, All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an answer. And uh, the bottom line is that he says an interesting chilek, a dialectical chilek, and that is 
Nerdvihuda. And when it comes to who you're um, who you're making for king, only the founder of the dynasty has this um, requirement that, that his mother and father should both be born Jewish. But once the dynasty is founded, then the other ones don't have to be like that. In other words, read those words closely, says Nebuchadnezzar. Som tosim alecha melech mekerbechecha. Shetachilas simas reishis menuyam leimekerbechecha. The founder of the dynasty, when you som tosim alecha melech, when the Jewish people appoint for themselves brand new a king, that guy has to be from two Jewish parents. But once he already established a dynasty, then it's not anymore som tosim alecha melech, but it just goes automatically from father to son, so then you don't have that requirement. The zeb melech rishon. Okay? That's his Kiddush, so to speak. Um, and, you know, he goes on to defend it and so on and so forth. All right? Now, what's interesting is uh, several things. Uh, first of all, um, I see, I have the nice, fancy, schmancy note behood over here, uh, the good set, and he says over here, look at the Dorsh and Sion. Those are the super long populistic speeches they used to give for Shabbos Hagadol and Shabbos, Shabbos um, Shuvah. This old school, old style. If you want the uh, old way of doing these long pilpulim for Shabbos Shuvah, Shabbos Hagadol, you look at the Dersh Latzian from Nebi Yehuda, and he has page after page, and he's dealing over here on Shabbos Hagadol with the story of Hillel and the Bnei Becerra that, you know, they didn't know what to do when uh, the the first Seder was Saturday night with the Karim Pesach, and that whole story there in, in, in um, Pesachim, and he goes up and down, you know, what was Behillel doing in Israel, and so on and so forth, and he gets around to, and you know, Hillel uh, screamed at the people, it's your fault because you were not Meshamish Shmai Vavtalion, they were, yeah, I, I think you know what I'm talking about, the very famous Gemara. You know, you, I learned by Shemayin Avtani, and you Israelis, even though they lived here, you didn't learn by them sufficiently. And uh, this leads him to talk about the question, how could Shemayin Avtani become the Gedoli Hador and the head of Sanhedrin and all that if they were Gerim? Right? Because they always say they're Gerim. And he goes up and down with this, and um, as I say, there's a long, uh, what shall I say, Knesset uh, Gedola, which is about a generation or two before the Nehru Yehuda. I don't think I ever did him. Ben Venisti. Uh, in Choshen Mishpat. And, you know, he, and, and he said, Ben Venisti says, as long as the people accept you, that's good enough. To tell you the truth, that's a very logical answer, but it's not a lumdish answer. So the Nehru Yehuda doesn't like it. And he goes over, under, around, and through. And um, he ends up, and he says, by the way, that the Knesset Dola went into this question when a big controversy arose historically in Turkey, because that's where he was, in Izmir, I think, uh, over the following question. And that was, I'm reading here from the Notabutas, all the big Turkish rabbis were fighting over this. A Jewish guy had an affair with a Gaish woman and had a child. So you and I know the kids, of course, are not halachically Jewish. Okay, fine. Uh, 
v'nezgalo b'chokhon. So the kid grew up, became Jewish, went to yeshiva, and became the best guy. <laughs> it could happen. Probably happened in America too, for all I know. So now he's basically the best guy in yeshiva, and the best guy in halacha, and can you point him to a dayan on basin? That's called a, a sarara, you know, it's like a malchus. Can you make him a dayan? And uh, all these fighters, uh, the, the Rabbanim in Turkey were fighting over this. Right? Some say his father was Jewish, so, you know, it's like a modern type of time, this word. Zeri Yisrael, you know, his father is Jewish. It's not a regular Islam thing. Others say, come on, you know, he's not halakhically Jewish. Therefore, he's a ger. And the ones who said that he was by a lot, shall I use the word biologically Jewish? It says mikervachecha, which is a funny swar, and nobody here uh, blows it away. So in other words, he don't like it, nor do I. So he he went up and down on this kind of issue, uh, which is kind of interesting. And why am I bringing this all up from Parshik Sisetse? Because as I said before, I had the fancy shmancy notabihudas, which are really wonderful. It was like a kolel in Ashkel, and they spent ten years on this. Some guy had big bucks to finance this. And he brings in the back all these Likuti Ha'aras, you know how they do. But here they're quite good. I don't have, since I'm, apparently the uh, Yad David in his Sefer Mechasani, which I don't have, has an Arichas on this, which is a, I regret that I don't have it in front of me. But whatever the case is, he's bringing here from a Shlomo Cohen, who was the chief rabbi of Vilna, you know, uh, in the 1800s. Not officially, but that's what he was. And he's talking back and forth. And he's saying, you know, was the mother this, was the mother that, Nama Amonis. So, someone attained it that, you know, uh, she they call her Nama Amonis, the, the mother, because her grandfather w- 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 you know, was the one who was a or things like this. And Roshlomo Kohn said, like this, forget Rechava. How do you explain? There's a good question he's raising. How do you explain the story of Abshalom? If you want to be Talmudic and Halachic, how do you explain the story of Abshalom? Abshalom's mother was a Fastower. Uh, that's a fact. Uh, that seems to be a fact. Um, you can't call me Kerbachecha, me Mutzerbachecha. So, how could it be that the Jewish people were willing to follow him? You understand? How could it be? Now, if you accept. So, by the way, that is a good question. The whole Jewish people willing to follow a guy whose mother was an, an unwilling convert. I mean, the story of Fastower. It's not exactly, she. it's not like Ruth, you know, she, she discovered the truth of Torah, <laughs> you know, she she was captured in a war. I'll, I'll go no further. Uh, so, you know, she, she she didn't come to Judaism, she was brought to Judaism, kicking and screaming. So, what's going on over here that the Jewish people were willing uh, to accept her? Hold that thought for a minute. Hold that thought. Uh, but it, it it's... It puts into relief, in my opinion, in a very, very interesting way, the story of Avshalom. Because he's the classic of Surah like I told you before, according to the Gemara and Sanhedrin. And yet the Jewish people were willing, you know, they didn't see it that way. They saw him as some righteous individual, and apparently they were willing to over to overlook the fact that Muslim wasn't exactly Jewish. I mean, think about what I'm about to say. If you find somebody today 
that the mother became a convert sort of unwillingly. <sighs> unwillingly. I mean, would you marry somebody like that? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, if you tell me somebody's a Garrett, that's a totally different story. That's a totally different story. Especially Garrett Sedek, that's a completely different story. The person is 100% Jewish. The Afastor, I don't know. I mean, you know, I get it. But, and even in the story of King David, they told him, I mean, you know, it's, it's weird. You see, it's weird. Now, hold that thought for a minute because I'm going to digress. When I was thinking about this, no to be Huda, so I pulled out the drawer, let's see, you know, because I happen to have a nice copy. And I use it once in a while. And I also thought, you know something? I had this book, you know, because I did my graduate work in Nota Vihuda. So subsequently, in, the, in, in years gone by, last 20 years, they published two volumes called Nota Vihuda Al-Moadim and Nota Vihuda Al-Parshas I guess you'd say. And all they did was they collected, you know, from various writings, and they just put it according to the Parsha. So if you're really a Nota Vihuda freak, which I am a little bit, then um, it's kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? This came out in uh, Tavshinayin. So what's that? 2010. Right? So it's like really cool. So I opened it up. And I found something really cool here. Classy. And that is that there's something called Kobe Siren Vegas Roll. I don't know if you're into that. And that's, um, who is that? Carlin Stolen. They have like a scholarly journal of a very high caliber. And they published, and I don't know all the details. Professor Malamid, who's a stoner, could tell me. But I think the Rebbe there has like an unbelievable, um, what's the right word? Archive or something like this with a lot of unpublished stuff. And anyway, from time to time, they publish like original documents. Comes out, what is it, every month, every year? I don't know. COVID time where you throw. And uh, they have, besides... <coughs> Excuse me. Besides the lunch and stuff, they have like um, historical documents. So they ha and sometimes no to be hooded stuff. It's it's a uh, it's very good if you're one of the, if you're into that little tribe of no to be hooded freaks. And they have a letter that he wrote to a community, and it's like totally cool. But yeah, it's from the Carlin uh, archive, Mixavia. and he's writing, and they have a snippet, and you see over here that the Nota Behuda utilized his published Teshuvah because the book Nota Behuda was published in 1776, the first volume. The second volume was published posthumously after his death. And um, the first volume was published only because a fire broke out in his house, he says, and he thought guys are going to steal his stuff. Um, you know, when they when people rush to save the, 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 the papers from the fire, some people just put it in their pocket and walk away and then go down the road and go to a printing shop and publish it under my name, Dove Cat said this, 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 and really stolen from the Nebuchadnezzar. He says in the Nebuchadnezzar, therefore in order to prevent the plagiarism, he's reluctantly publishing what he has. Um, and he had, in Choshimish, as I said before, this particular um, teshuva concerning Rechavam and the Motzeb uh, Yisrael, and he ignores the Absholom issue, which the Shlomo Kohn says is, is even a bigger problem, um, I guess because Lemaise Absholom never did become king. But it seems like the Jewish people were ready to come, 
to back him. And they even say the Sanhedrin and others were backing him. So whatever the case is, um, but he had this tube around. So later on, after 1776, he's writing to a community, and the background is really wonderful. Because it's not so long, so I'll read it very quickly. He reprises. He says, So the Kesem mission says, it's enough to have a father. Even the mother is a, a, a gear or, or not Jewish, meaning he became a gear. Uh, that's how he explained the story of Racham becoming king. But then he says, what about the Tosas? says, you need both mother and father. And he mentions the Kesem Mishnah. And then he gives his chilak, which is, as I told you before, the founder of the dynasty has to be uh, from a Jewish mother and Jewish father, born Jewish mother, born Jewish father. But afterwards, um, it doesn't have to be. Okay? So once David and Melch is in there, his descendants, the mother could be a gear. Which then means the following. Listen to this. Um, which then means that... Um, the right to succeed your father, the dynastic principle, trumps the rule of that the Torah knows if you accept this Chiddush, then the Torah is saying it's more important to maintain the dynastic principle that the son should inherit the position of the father than to insist on the Mikher Vachecha part. Now he's writing to a community and the community he wrote to He's writing to apologize. And what he's saying is <coughs> that the Nebuchadnezzar who had a son-in-law was a big Talmud Chacham, or Yosef opposing, I think. He was, he's, I mean, he was a well-known guy in his time. He's actually, I think, in the autobiography of Solomon Maimon. And um, he needed a job. This is rabbinical politics. So Nebuchadnezzar who wrote to some city saying, take my son-in-law. And by that I mean, he wrote to this macher and to that macher and to this Talmud Chacham and that Talmud Chacham, because that's what you do. You understand? You want to get your son, your son-in-law into some place like that? You know, you, you write to this guy. I didn't say he bribed or anything like that, but he wrote to say, you know, my son is a bar he's a big Talmud Chacham, it's hot, blah, blah, all which was true. But, but what, wait a minute. But then he discovered that the previous rabbi who died, his son wants a job. And now he's backing off. He said, if the son wants a job, don't take my son. Mayaton, this is no to be writing to the community. Again, this is an unpublished, uh, until recently unpublished letter. If the Torah was willing to push aside its requirement for the purpose of giving the son the position of father, meaning is pushed aside once the dynasty is founded and instead you push the Yerusha part then how much more so in a Takana in your community it should be pushed aside apparently it was some kind of Takana to take an outsider as a rabbi but it can't be in opposition to your former rabbi. Because if his son is a Bar Hachi, he should get the job. 
If you say, am I, why am I the only one pointing this out? If this is really true, don't, or shouldn't other rabbis tell us this? But I feel a moral obligation. I'm afraid I shouldn't have pushed my son-in-law on the job. I didn't know the other guy wanted it. Shani Agarim. Hova Kosafi Lakitsas Gedoli Kehalchem Kilosam Baratim Bishul Katsoni Hagon Yosef Abizniavro. I pushed and, and lobbied for my son in law Yosef to get the job. Fulam Izedash and many Yosef Roshem Benokodid. And that may have given the impression that I hold that the Rusha, that the previous rabbi's son, is not really a principle, and therefore it's not a big deal. That's why I'm trying to push my son all in. And I didn't know the other guy wanted it. You see? Uh, that was not my intention. Rakti Barti, I simply said, in quota, gone mufluk Paris, lo yachmas, loves a makoma, if the son doesn't want the job because he's in another town already and he's well established, then take my son along because he's a big deal. But now I discover I was mistaken. The other guy's son wants the job and I'm backing off. I'm, I'm withdrawing my son in law's candidacy and I want you to take the previous guy's son. So give cover to the Priyadika Rabbi. To, to, to give Menachas Ruch in the, in, the, in the grave. And I've seen many communities in which they took the son after the father died, but also and it worked out. And, and it was very successful. So this is a very elegant and classy letter. That's why I said today I'll do a classy. A very elegant and classy letter of withdrawing his, his son-in-law's candidacy. He said, I didn't know that the free of the rabbi son wanted the job. That comes first. That we see from Rechava. They didn't even know his mother was Alma Monis. Nevertheless, since his father and grandfather were already on the throne, he gets the job automatically. Now, how do you explain the Ben Mora part? No, how do you explain the Avshalom part? Well, if you go like the Nod of Yehuda, if you do that, then you say the same thing. The Jew, it's ironic, but the Jewish people, I mean, it's very weird. The Jewish people say, look, um, what do you call it? She, uh, we took David. I guess they must have gone thought like this. When David started out, he was okay. I'm talking about the way the people thought it made the rebellion. When David started out, he was okay. Somewhere along the line, power corrupted him. Different now he's a Russia Marusha, because that's what they thought when they backed up Shalom. It was based on the idea that the uh that uh David is no good anymore. As he himself says until him, Rabbi Momrlo ain't lo bishulasas Elohim Sela. Is that what it is? No, uh that the, yeah, right. Everybody's saying that it'll have no Yeshua because I'm a sinner. And you Hashem know I'm not a sinner, but everybody thought he's a sinner. I remember Rashi said, Look what he did by Sheva, and look what he did by the other thing. No, they call him a big sinner. Um so, once we accepted him, then the fact that his son, Avshalom, comes from a mother who's a Giorus, or even less than a Giorus, I mean, a, 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 a Fastor, but we'll take her anyway. 
We'll take him anyway. And therefore, same idea by by Nama uh, by Nama Munis. However, so it's a very weird story. The reverse of what we say. How should I put it? The reverse of what you say uh, in Parshas Giseite. But that's because the people didn't judge him to be a... They misjudged him. He was a Ben but they didn't judge him to be a Ben So they didn't do the drush of Smukim that Chushayarki told David. You know, that if you have Kiseitza Muhammad Avecha, and you have a you know, Shabisa Bashivya, you'll end up with a Ben Saramara. They, they didn't see it that way. It's it's just an interesting case where you can see something in the Chumash. It all depends how you spin it, baby. It all depends how you spin it. You know, it's the old line. The rabbi gets up and says, nobody's giving any money for Zeraka. And the biggest tightwad said, oh, you sure told them off. And how you spin it? They don't see it applying to themselves. Get it? They looked at this parsha. I mean, it's really funny. They looked at this parsha, Kiseite. They see the face with Ben Sermor, and they knew Yifastor, and they knew Avshalom's son of Yifastor, and they simply said, like, is it doesn't apply in this case? <laughs> they were wrong. They don't apply in this case. It's, it's, it's a tribute to the... Uh, Capacity for self-deception on the part of people. It's amazing. <clears throat> now, me, myself, and I would offer a different terrorist. I'm not sure, you know, this when I'm thinking about it along the following lines. And that is, and it would fit very much the cast mission of the Rambam because it's very important to distinguish what do you mean by gear? The Rambam, of all people, says the gear is A, B, and C. There's a gold level, silver level, and uh. the the best level is a gear tzedek. That's a high madrega. That's a person who comes without any ulterior motives and really discovers Hashem on their own, his own or her own. That's a high madrega. Then you have a gear, which is for some kind of ulterior motive. Usually nowadays. It's for marriage. Most people I, I know do it gear. It was a context of marriage. A guy met a girl in college or wherever. They fell for each other. The guy or the girl, whoever was, was willing to convert in order to marry the other person. Let's say it was a guy who met a girl who wasn't Jewish. Okay. Not exactly what we're crazy about, but it happened. And in the process of the two deciding they want to spend life together, she said, listen, I'm willing to, I am willing to switch my religion and become Orthodox Jew. And she does. And she says, I'll be a Shomer Mitzvah. And she is. I say, I know people. And she is. She's just as Jewish as anybody else. Um, we're not crazy about how the whole thing happened. We would have preferred a Jewish boy meets a Jewish girl, even in college. But it happened. But I'll say it again. But she keeps everything sincerely. You know, so, more power to her. It's not a Gertzedek. What's the gear? And then you have the ones that, you know, they say they're going to keep, they don't keep, and, you know, all that stuff. Then it gets a mess. That's a, uh. Right? So I'll repeat what I said. A gear said is very Madriga. I think that, let's say, if you have a melech, me care of a checho, me the of me Yisrael, ima me Yisrael, if she's a gear tzedek, that's like ima me Yisrael. That's, that, that would be what I would say. I mean, you know, I, it's just a guess, but, you know, you know, that's a very high metric. Rus, Hamoavia. That's a Gertzedek. Okay? If her son became king, people wouldn't say nothing. Because look what she did. Okay? Look what she did. Now, why am I mentioning this? 
I don't know why, but there's a famous vart that says um, that there were two, you know, Rashi, you'll remember this from Kumash somewhere, that there was Almond and Moab, you know, they came from Lot, and there were two good pearls that came out of them. The rest were junk. The two pearls was Rusa Moavia Venama Amonis. Right? So in other words, Lovin fathered two children, um, not Lovin, Lot, followed two kids by his daughters, Moab and Amon, right? And the whole Moab was no darn good, and the whole Amon was no darn good, with the exception that from Moab came out Rus, and from Amon came Naamo. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I, I never understood this. If you tell me, Rus, I get it. There's a there's a Megillus Rus. So I hear. She was a Sadekis. They tell you the whole story about her. Okay. Who's this Nama person? You know? Where do you get the idea she's such a big Sadekis? So, until, you know, you, you figure like this. I don't know, but because I'll say so, I guess they know what they're, you know, they must have known. But where do you get that from? She doesn't appear as a character in the biblical narrative. Now, how do you know Nama Munis was such a Sadekis? Um, as far as I'm aware, there's nothing in there in Nama. Let, let me hold on for a second. You know, I just went online to see if things been Nama Munis. I don't know. Nope. So, who is this person? Um, nevertheless, I want to make this point. For whatever reason, the Chazal regarded as, as a Gerd Sedek. Okay? There's, you know, Shtei Predos Tovos, you know, Rus and Nama. So for whatever reason, they regard her as a Garrett Sedek. All right, if it's a Garrett Sedek, then it's a different, it's a different story. But it doesn't help for the Ben Sora story in our parasha, that how could they back um, Avshalom? What are you going to say? His mother was a Garrett Sedek? Uh, it's a hard one. So I think it, it, it's a nice case, or an interesting case, where the Agatatub and the Gemara stuff, you know, like rubs against each other. I'll share just one point. And this I got from the notes in the back of the note of Yehuda. Apparently, there's a Ramami Pano speaking about Kabbalists. Menachem Zarefano in the Nassar Mamaris. And he says like this, This is a wild and crazy story I'm about to tell you. Alright? That, um... And apparently the Redfa book quotes this also somewhere in Kedushan. Um the the you know something? Let me see. Do I have that saver? One minute. I can't find it. I have somewhere else on my Morris, but it's not exactly something I take out every day. Uh, from the Ramavi Pilot, it's very famous. See, he says a story that when Shlomo Milk was kicked off the throne, he ended up running away to different places, including Amon. And there he married the daughter as a refugee, he married the daughter of the king of Ammon and was Megayer her. And uh, I guess, would she be Nama Amonis? Yeah, that'd be the point. Okay? And uh, if that's the case, then she's a Gerd Sedek, you know, something something like that, I guess. He's an Ayn Shambarichas, so, so I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, some of you may be able to access that better. Um, but it's a wild and, and crazy story. In other words, let's put it this way. This is based on the on, on the story. There are several accounts of the reign of Shlomo Melch. Uh, 
even though in the Tanakh there's no mention about him ever being deposed, but in the rabbinic literature there certainly is the Chazals. Everybody knows from Ashmadai and all these other stories. Ad that there is a famous debate among the Amroim was Shlomo a Melch Hedyet Melch or a Hedyet Melch Hedyet, which means one school of thought says that he started out as a king. He was deposed for a while, um, either by the demons or someone else or something like that, and eventually was restored to the throne. There's a completely different school of thought that says, no, uh, Hedget Melchedget, once he was deposed, he never regained his throne, which is Mamash a wild and crazy story. So try to locate Nama Monis in all of this. I mean, let's put it this way. If you have to come with the Ramami Pano, it's far out in, in, in left field, right field. So the story of the Bensora Mor and how exactly it worked out, but I repeat, the Jewish people were willing to to back a Bensora Mor um, over the father, over King David, remains a, just a, a remarkable example of how political passions um, can can warp the judgment of the public. Of course, we who live in the age of of Trump and Biden know nothing of this, right? <laughs> anyway, I wanted to share that. I really want to thank um, Abe Gluck for for uh, sponsoring me on a moment's notice. It was very nice. And I hope you agree with me. Isn't that a very nice note of you? It's like a very classy letter. I thought it was anyway. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.